subscribe to Tripod Talk Radio for conversations with veterinarians, oncologists, rehab therapists, and other experts discussing amputation for dogs and cats. Find more info, helpful care tips, and a free gift at tripods.com slash radio. Thank you for tuning in to Tripod Talk Radio, where we're spreading the word that it's better to hop on three legs than limp on four. Hosted by Jim and Renee and Wyatt Ray of the Tripod Gloves community at tripods.com, Jerry's Place for canine amputees and their people. You are listening to Tripod Talk Radio. Today is Sunday, August 7th, 2011. I'm Jim, a.k.a. Admin, from the Tripods.com discussion forums. And with me, as usual, is Renee, who posts as Jerry. Hi, everybody. Join us in the live chat at Tripods.com slash chat, or call in with your questions at 310-388-9739. We're honored to have two very special guests joining us today to talk about the amazing BART a three-year osteosarcoma survivor and three-legged AKC hunting champion, Vesla. Please welcome Bart's mom, Darcy, and his vet, Dr. Huggins. Thanks for joining us, you two. Thanks Our for having pleasure. us. It's good to have you here. And, and we have a lot of, of material to cover here, and so we're just going to jump right in. Um, Darcy, um, tell, tell us a little bit about, about Bart and his life before amputation. Um, what, uh, was he an active dog, and, and could you have ever pictured anything slowing this guy down? Well, Bart was active doesn't even describe Bart's um, level <laughs> of activity. He is a constantly on the go. He has a tail that never stops wagging. It has bruised many a leg, and he just he is just energy and energy for days. So... The thought of something slowing him down was inconceivable, and I have to say, going through this, it is still inconceivable. Nothing slows this kid down whatsoever. He's, he's a neat dog, and he was so young when he was diagnosed. How did you know that there was something wrong, and, and when exactly was that? Well, as you said, he was young. He was just over three years old. I got a Vishla because I ran marathons and I wanted a dog that could really go the distance with me. So I had run a lot with him and we had actually gotten up to running about 16, 17 miles together. And so I was very familiar with his gait, thankfully. And just out of the corner of my eye, I noticed something very slight, a little bit off with his gait. And it was really amazing because when he was out in the field, and he does a lot of hunting events, and we'll get to some of the AKC stuff later, um, he goes 30 minutes, hardcore, running as fast as he can, hunting for birds, and I noticed nothing whatsoever. Um, I also didn't notice it constantly. And, in fact, I think Dr. Huggins, when she finally looked at him, he wasn't even presenting with a limp. So I put him on some bed rest, so to speak, the best I could with him. It would seem to go away, and then I would just notice something. And to be honest, on the day that I took him in to see Dr. Huggins, 
he wasn't limping. I just looked at him, and I know this dog so well. I looked at him, and he looked at me, and I said, we're going to go to the vet. And that was in the beginning of June, and I believe I saw some limping starting towards the middle to end of April. So we had quite a while before we were actually able to get a diagnosis, and that was that. And this was in 2008, correct? Correct. Wow. Well, you know, it just goes to show you how how close of a relationship you have with him because obviously your instinct told you that there was something wrong. Um, And lucky for you, I mean, you have such a great vet. Um, Dr. Huggins, thank you so much for for being here. Um, Can you you tell us a little bit about your relationship with with Darcy and Bart and... um, and, and how you met them and, and all that good stuff? Absolutely. So I've had the pleasure of taking care of Bart. I've known him since 06, so since he was a year old. And um, I, too, was well aware of his just exceptionally high level of activity. Um, Bart never sits still in a room. He actually usually jumps right up onto the chair and sits on the chair displacing his mom or actually on Darcy's lap despite the fact that <laughs> 55, 60 pounds um, at a good weight. But like Darcy was saying, we actually, um, I don't know if we would say we lucked out, but he came in to see me for this intermittent lameness. um, And the day that he presented for his exam, we walked him and trotted him up and down the hall, and he didn't really display any lameness. But I know Darcy's exceptional attention to detail and I tend to be a pretty thorough person myself and kind of feeling over him and manipulating all of his joints. Um, again, I say lucky, quote-unquote. We were lucky enough that I felt um, an abnormality on his scapula, which is his shoulder blade. So I could probably feel um, an irregularity in the bone. And Darcy, I think, had a deposition that day. Um, she's a lawyer, so he was dropped off and... I guess because I've had such a good relationship with Darcy um, and known Bart for so long, I didn't even bother to call her. I just went ahead and took some x-rays of him, and that's when we discovered um, some already pretty profound changes on his x-ray. So he's a very stoic dog, and that absolutely can happen. So what I would say to any pet owners that are listening, trusting in yourself and noticing that difference, and especially if the dog walks into your vet's office and his his or her adrenaline is pumping and they're not showing that lameness, just keep reinforcing to your vet that, you know, I am noticing a change. Let's look at this a little bit further. You know, so many of us have had, um, you know, we've had good vets, but our our vets um, took a long time before they diagnosed osteosarcoma or or bone cancer in our dogs. and I wanted to ask you, when when you see a young, healthy dog like Bart um, and you, you know the dog is limping, do you ever think that, oh, my God, it, it, this could be bone cancer? Um, what what are your first impressions when symptoms show up in one of your clients? I think certainly the fact that it's a younger dog, you automatically want to put bone cancer a lot lower on your list of differentials, which means your list of things that you consider um, as possible mm-hmm. diagnoses. And especially, like Darcy was saying, with her um, athleticism and running 16, 17 miles with him, I think it's it's okay to think first that, gosh, this could be a sprain strain or an overuse injury. 
Um, mm-hmm. Depending on where you live in the country, some diseases like Lyme disease are endemic, um, kind of up the uh, mid-east coastal area, uh, Maryland through Maine. Um, Lyme disease can also be a, a cause of limping. So there's there's a number of different reasons these guys can limp. Certainly, age-wise, as you start to approach your older patients, uh, the bone cancer kind of creeps up the list um, as far as possible diagnoses. But it certainly is not the first thing you think of, um, especially in, in a young, healthy dog. Uh-huh. And, and are Vishwas known for, for getting bone cancer? Because I, I think BART is probably the first one I've heard of. I will agree with that. Um, and I think in part it's because there's not as many Vishwas out there as there may be Golden Retrievers and uh, Rottweilers and some of the other breeds that you tend to put in the in your forefront um, as far as breeds that are predilected to it. Certainly it is a bone cancer that we see more often in dogs, um, maybe greater than 25, 30 pounds. So mm-hmm. kind of mid-sized to giant breed dogs are definitely overrepresented compared to your smaller your smaller breeds. Mm-hmm. So when you saw the x-rays, and you knew you had to give Darcy this news. Um, what what was it like, and how did how did you tell her? How do you break it to somebody when you see something like that? I think it very much depends also on your relationship with the client, with the owner. Um, mm-hmm. And I had the benefit of having had a, a longer standing relationship with Darcy, and. Um, I'm also lucky that I think Darcy and I are similar in the way that we approach life, and we're both the kind of people that just say, okay, it is what it is. What do we do about it? How do we fix this? How do we make this better? And so I I think I had an easier time telling Darcy than I sometimes do to other clients who I know may be a little bit more fragile. And that's, I mean, that's one of those six senses that you have as a vet and you you work on it and it's definitely a learning curve as you get more and more experienced is just how to approach telling somebody really horrific news um, Mm -hmm. and sudden news. But I think the the best thing to do is be honest and educate that client or educate your friend as much as you can about the disease. And just like in human medicine when we deal with issues – with ourselves or with people that we love, getting as much information for me is empowering. So being an advocate and seeking, and so the fact that this tripods group exists, I think is phenomenal because it's not only a support group, but it's also a, a wellspring of information for folks. And I think that that's important for people to not feel alone um, when they're getting a such a significant diagnosis. Thank you. That's what the I, I went tangentially. I'm sorry, but that's wow. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's just before we get into Bart's treatment plan, can we briefly discuss his amputation? It looks as though he had his scapula removed, and uh, a lot of people question whether or not the scapula should be removed. Can you kind of address that and, and when it's right to remove it and not? Yeah. Well, this was it was a no-brainer because his lesion was on his scapula, so his lesion was actually. Um, an erosive lesion on kind of the front aspect of the scapula, which, again, is the shoulder blade. Um, I find that taking the scapula, and and I actually didn't personally do the surgery. Um, 
what was crazy is we came up with this diagnosis shortly before I was supposed to go on maternity leave with my first child, um, and I wanted Darcy to have continuity of care, which I also think is very important with a cancer diagnosis. So um, we got her over to an exceptional um, oncologist and surgery team at one of the referral practices. But anyways, I do think that scapulectomy, um, which is essentially the surgical removal of the scapula in addition to the remainder of the whole entire leg, um, is actually easier on these guys. It seems extreme, but they don't have that little kind of chicken wing that their muscles still want to move. Um, and also you're incorporating in that taking out muscle that may or may not have some abnormal cells in it, and you're also able to incorporate a lot of the removal of um, local lymph nodes. So the lymphatic system, many times if a cancer opts to metastasize, which our osteosarcoma loves to do, malignant cells or cancerous cells essentially can be in those lymph nodes. So it really facilitates just getting all the badness out um, as cleanly as possible. And, and I the same thing. Does Sorry, the same thing Jim, apply I, for for rear legs? Whether or not they well, take rear leg, the yeah, rear legs. We're usually not removing the the a portion of the pelvis. Um, you're usually just doing what we call a disarticulation, which is essentially just taking out the entire femur, which is that upper thigh bone um, at the level of the joint between the femur and the pelvis. Darcy, yes, I, I'm sorry. <laughs> We're working with a little bit of a delay here, but um, but thank you for that information because I know that a lot of us are, are curious about that. Um, Darcy, I have to say you have great bet, and my God, Dr. Huggins, I <laughs> there needs to be more of you out there. And um, Darcy, I wanted to ask you, what did you think when you got this news? Had you ever heard of bone cancer? Not. I, I, it, it was inconceivable in a dog. I never even would have guessed that in all my life. Um, one thing that Dr. Huggins hit right on the head is she and I are very similar in that, okay, this is what we've got. What do we do about it? I'm a, I'm a, I'm a problem solver. I like to find the solutions. And so... When I heard this news, I remember looking at Dr. Huggins and her looking at me, and I said, first, how fast can I get this leg off of him? Because I knew it had to go. The faster we got it off, the better chance we had of it not metastasizing, spreading, and all of that. I also remember Dr. Huggins and I looking at each other and saying, if there's going to be a dog that's going to do okay on three legs, it's barked. And so I felt really, I felt I was very doe in headlights, and that's where all my friends stepped in and really helped me out, as did Dr. Huggins, getting me to the right um, facility for as much information, giving me as much information as I could. And I think that really did help me. I read about everything I could on cancer, bone cancer specifically, so until it was becoming redundant. So I felt like I knew what I was facing. Unfortunately, with bone cancer, it's not a very cheery outlook. And, yeah. again, I remember, you know, some of the day-to-day -day stuff outside of the disease, I remember finding a wealth of information, again, on tripods.com. It's, <laughs> it's, it's no coincidence. 
it's no coincidence this has come full circle like this, but little things. I've got a wood I've got wood floors throughout my house, putting carpet runners down, um, getting a crate big enough for his recovery. Whatever I needed just to make his day to day life and his acclimation to three legs a little bit easier. So I felt like I had a really good team with Dr. Huggins, um, Bart's oncologist, his surgeon. I was fortunate enough that there was a holistic vet at this facility, and my friends and family just really stepped up and supported us and really just kind of catapulted us to the next level of our life and the next journey. And what a journey. <laughs> um, I, we'll, I, we'll talk about all the incredible things he's done since his diagnosis. But um, first, can you tell us a little bit about his treatment regimen as far as what he eats and supplements and things like that? Um, I mean, you've obviously done your research. And um, what I really want to know is, was there one single component that you felt really um, contributed to this, this incredible three-year survival? Sure, I would love to share um, the research that I did and and what it what it helped us. I Barton had been um, a raw food eater. I had homemade his raw food um, prior to his diagnosis, and through my research, recognized the incredible importance of a of a of the diet. I also recognized that there were a lot of um, holistic type. And holistic is using it in that way is not really genuine to me. Holistic, from what I understand, it's an everything approach, the chemo, the amputation, the supplements. But I did look into Chinese herbs and all of that so that I went to, when I finally went to his holistic vet, I actually showed up with my laptop and said, what about this, what about this, what about this? And what she came up with was, you know, during chemo to avoid antioxidants because they turn to sugars, which can feed the cancer cells, which is, counteractive to what the chemo is doing. He was not to be on a raw diet during chemo because the chemotherapy, the drugs really, they really mess with the lining of the stomach from what I understand. And that's where a lot of the nausea comes from and that's where a lot of the lack of eating with the, with the dogs during chemo come from. Thankfully, it's nothing like it is for humans. From what my understanding is, they don't give as high of a blast of a dose, so the dogs are able to deal with it. Their system is able to deal with it a little bit better. What I did to try to make his chemo time as um, you know, untraumatic as possible, like I said, I made a cooked diet, which was 50% meat and 50% vegetables, and really for 18 weeks my goal was to get him to eat. I uh, remember sitting in my house sometime and Bart is noshing on beef tips and collard greens and all this fantastic <laughs> stuff and I'm and I'm sitting on my couch eating out of a bag of bugles. <laughs> you know, if I come back, I want to come back as as dark. Um the supplements though I felt were real important and I had done a lot of research on that too and there was one canine immunity which was just to keep his immune system going, fish oil across the board that was recommended. During chemo, it was also recommended for him to have a liver support vitamin because of a lot of the the organs are just taxed by these chemicals going through. So I got him just a human liver support um, supplement, flaxseed oil. I also gave him slippery elm, which was to help with his stomach. 
And one thing that I thought was real interesting, and I never came across this in any of my research, but his holistic vet told me about this, was it's called glutamine, and it's supposed to help repair the stomach lining. It's actually something that bodybuilders use to help regenerate their muscles. So we'd go to the GNC, and I'd add that to his food. There were some times when he didn't eat. And at the time that he was going through chemo within the last year, the doctors had found out that giving dogs a human antidepressant called mirtazapine would encourage them to eat, and it worked wonders. I would try, tried to avoid putting anything in his body he didn't need, but he needed to eat. And so it just came to be the day after chemo when he was kind of, you know, back back to his old self, I would give him one of those, and we never had an eating issue again. And um, he actually gained weight during chemo, which was nice. Um, Post-chemo, we went to a raw diet that I um, had somebody up in Canada put together for me so it would be real balanced. There are some things there I can only do so much, I felt, and I thought, let's rely on the experts for everything we needed to. So we really did try to find the best people that we could to help us out. So she put together a nice, well-balanced, raw diet. Fish oil continued to be part of his regimen. He also um, was on doxycycline. Mm -hmm. This is probably the one component that for some reason I believe played a very big part of his recovery. There has been some research from what I've been told that dogs that are, take doxycycline for um, whatever amount of time Bart was on it for two years, post-amputation and post-chemo, have a higher success rate in remission. For some reason, the bone cancer doesn't seem to come back, and I don't even think they know why. They may know why now. It's been a while, but I think for some reason I feel in my, in my gut that that had a lot to do with his success. He was also on a couple of um, Chinese herbs, Hoxie formula, which came up in my research time and time again, as well as Devil's Claw. After, um, let's see, a year or two years of him being healthy with that, he was switched to two others known as Max's formula and then a bone stasis, and both of those were um, holistic-type medicines. And the bone stasis, does what it says. It keeps his bones where they are because he's got good, healthy bones now. Let's do what we need to do. And then at the, you know, at this point in time, he's been weaned off everything because he's now being pretty much treated as a healthy dog. So I give him a real good grain-free kibble that's vegetable-based. I give him antioxidants. I do give him some raw food once a day just to keep his protein going. And I used to kind of be a freak about, oh, not this treat, not this treat. And now I'm like, (laughs) if it makes him happy, if it makes other people happy, sure. Give him a hot dog. Give him some ice cream. It makes no difference. And so I I think our attitude has shifted over the last couple of years. And he's sitting with me now gnawing on a bully stick. And he's just as happy as can be. And that's pretty much what it helps. So I think in addition to the doxycycline, who knows what really was the the clincher. 
I really do believe in addition to everything that we did for him medically and with his diet and supplements, I think Bart's attitude really helped. I just think that he was, he's he's a fighter and he's enthusiastic and honestly, I think he has unfinished business to do. I don't know what unfinished business it is. We've had a lot of doors open up for us through this journey and whatever whatever this unfinished business it is, I'm pretty sure it has to do with teaching people how to smile and how to challenge themselves and to not accept the boundaries sometimes that we put on ourselves. Because I know that he's touched a lot of people out there, so I think he's he's still got some stuff to do. Well, we're going to help him do that. And we actually have a question in our chat room right now. Um, who actually helped you develop the nutrition plan? Did it happen to be a Dr. Uh, uh, Monica Segal? Correct. Oh. Yes. I don't it know was, it was how Monica Segal. <laughs> Pardon me? Uh, I don't know how our, our member Maggie knew that, but um, she mentioned the name and was and was curious. Um, so we'll be sure to put that information in, in the post when we follow this up. One question that um, has been going on in the discussion forums lately, lately is regarding stamina for three-legged dogs. And since Bart was so active and was able to run so far with you, can you kind of explain his activity levels now and maybe Dr. Huggins could chime in to suggest what, kind of moderation should be um, used for three-legged dogs? Definitely. We started out slowly. We started out going to the end of my driveway, then the end of my yard, then the end of the block. And I would take one of those little harnesses to wrap under his belly when he got a little tired. And when he got a little tired, I'd help him go a little bit further. And we made it fun and we made it happy. And every single day, probably within a week of his amputation, we started back on an exercise regimen. I thought that getting normalcy back into his life was probably going to be the most beneficial for both he and I. So we started out slowly. And it took quite a while. I would say it took about two years for Bart to get to where he ran and when he would get a little tired, he doesn't wobble anymore. You don't see his gait off. He really pulls with that remaining front leg now instead of just posting on it. So in retrospect, it it took us some time. It took us quite a while to do it. But he was out competing again within four months of his amputation. So, you know, like I said, we yeah, we built up on it slowly but we were I was diligent with it. It was daily. It was every single day we did activity a little further than he thought he could go. And I think in conjunction with that, kind of the graduated return to exercise, we do have to be responsible as pet owners and vets for our amputated dogs to, to keep their weight in check because all of a sudden we're asking an animal to carry the same body, torso weight that they would on four with three legs. And so not letting your amputee pet get heavy um, plays a significant role as well. And I think also doing some stuff to be chondroprotective, which means protecting the joints, um, thinking about 
glucosamine and chondroitin and some of the very natural supplements that help cartilage stay healthy and help joints stay healthy is an additional benefit that we can give these guys. But another very important point is, you know, we're not having amputations just for fun. We're doing these procedures because we've got a huge issue either doing our best to just make the animal comfortable, which is the vast majority of the reason, or excuse me, the vast majority of the time why we're doing amputations in osteosarcoma patients is just to give them some comfort. Granted, it is also to try to thwart the cancer, but I think the the, the number is 85 to 90% of the time when you're diagnosing osteosarc, there's already been some degree of microscopic, so too small for the eye to see, metastasis. So it's already spread, so you're really focusing on making these guys comfortable. Um, so taking that leg off, I think, gives them that much more energy and that much more ability to be active again. Um, I guess that's it. <laughs> and and Bart and, is is an active dog, and and we have um, just about a minute left, and I we need an hour to talk to you too, um, but. Darcy, I, tell us just real briefly about um, Bart's participation in, in the AKC trials and and what, what that's like for, for a three-legged dog and, and you. Well, I would have to say, and I think this is a good way to sum it up, and I can talk fast, I think us going out there really just kind of showed people a different thing of doing. I can remember my favorite story is going into the bird field in these AKC events and having the gunners, which are generally always men, and they just kind of see Bart and I coming along, and they kind of, their expression was, how cute this gal and her three-legged dog. And at the end of every single time when he was done hunting, these, these grown men would come up to me most of the time with tears in their eyes and tell me what an incredible pleasure it was to watch him hunt, that they've never seen a dog with so much heart and how they were rooting for us all the way. I hate to do this, it's, it, but it's been a true pleasure just hearing about it. And we're going to post more information at tripods.com along with the podcast. Thank you very much for listening, folks. Until next time on Tripod Talk Radio, learn more about canine amputation recovery and find the best gear for three-legged dogs at tripods.com Thank you for tuning in. Subscribe to Tripod Talk Radio for more pet amputation tips from experts and claim your free gift just for listeners at downloads.tripods.com slash podcast.